Before we even start, let's just pray again because I need prayer. <laughs> Lord, I just pray that you would lead this message, Lord, with your words and guide my words to convey what you would have for us today, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, there's, a, there's a lot of, quite a lot of reading, but I'm going to try to put it, put it down to smaller size. But the title of my message is The 40-Year Detour. And uh, Mo, uh, Moses is with the Israelites here, standing at the bank of the Jordan. Um, not at the Jordan. This is the beginning where their first attempt at the Promised Land. They've been delivered out of Egypt, and God has brought them out. And they're getting ready to finally go to the promised land. So this is their first attempt. So we go to Numbers chapter 13, verse 1, and we'll read throughout there. So the very first verse in Numbers 13, 1 says, The Lord said to Moses, Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. And then we'll skip down to verse 26. So the spies were sent out to explore the land, and they came back with a report to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of, desert of Paran. And they reported to them to, and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev, and the Hittites and Jebusites and Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take the possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack these people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among them, uh, the Israelites, a bad report about the land that they had explored. They said, The land we explored devours, devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak, Anak came from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. In, verse, in chapter 14, that night all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, If only we had just died in Egypt or in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to just go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should just choose another leader and go back to Egypt. So just to sum up, everything that happened to the Israelites, we can compare to our lives today. Because it is relevant to look at what happens in the Old Testament to teach us lessons. So here we have... The, the Israelites were in Egypt in slavery for like 430 years, I think it was. God delivers his people through with Moses, leading them out of slavery. And then they get to where they're supposed to go because in verse 1, God said, 
which the land that I am giving to the Israelites. And even in Exodus, when they were leaving, God said, I'm going to take you and give you the promised land that's flowing with milk and honey. So that was God's promise to the Israelites. So now we have them going to the time they were very right to go in, but see, all these things had taken place while they were on their journey. God was teaching them, gave them the Ten Commandments, and <clears throat> fed them, gave them manna. So we'll see all that in a little bit, but right now I want to focus on the bad report. Because the bad report that the, the Ten Spies gave were more powerful than what jo uh, Caleb and Joshua were reporting. They said, we can do it. Let's just go take it. God said we can do it. They're believing it. But they kept looking at everything in a negative light. They were looking at the giants, making them feel like they can't conquer it. So when we look at our lives, we think of all the obstacles that we have to overcome in our journey with God. God's taking us through our journey in life, and I always seem to speak about journey in our life, but I do believe that when God took them out, he was showing them all his mighty works from the beginning, right from Egypt, with all the plagues and the miracles, brought them through the sea and all these things, but what happened was um, they were letting the bad report instill a fear and unbelief in the rest of the the people. God already had told them that the land was good. Doubt will bring fear and they focused on all these obstacles more than God's faithfulness. And there's so much power in the negative opinions and views of other people that we can actually take that as fact more over what God says. Um, <clears throat> And here they wanted to go, they started to rebel, and this is where we can get into trouble. We start complaining and grumbling and none. we start doubting God and all these things. But it says in uh, chapter 14 we read, they started to grumble against Moses and started weeping, and then they wanted to, they were just saying, well, let's just go back. We'll go back to Egypt. It's better than this. What's God doing with us? He's bringing us out here that we're going to be killed, our whole families. Why should we be doing this? But, um, <clears throat> so in our own lives, we've been delivered from sin and the effects of the power of sin when God saves us. And then we're out with a journey with God. We're going to be seeing all his things that he does for us, but we're also going to be coming into obstacles and trials in our life where we're going to have to really be able to count on his word to be true. But there's actually times, and it's, uh, sometimes we actually think it's easier to go back to the old place. Let's go back to Egypt. It was easier than, at least I'm familiar with what's going on there, right? We have a familiar feeling of the old. Like we want to just hang out in the old slavery rather than go forward with God and take possession of his promises that he gave us. So we have to not lose sight of what God promised. Now I'm going to also jump around a little bit. Let's, we can still hang out there, but I want to go to Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 22, 22 to start with. 
Now, here, this is where they've already been wandering after they didn't enter the land, so they reverted back. Instead of going forward into the promised land, all these bad reports struck fear in them, and they were melting with fear, so they all backed away from entering into the promised land. So instead of taking it, they reverted backwards and said, we're not going in, we just don't, we don't want to do it. But the spies were sent out, we looked in, when we looked in Numbers, um, God said to go ahead and send them out there. And when we look in chapter 1 of verse 22, Moses is saying, well, when we were out there, you, you came to me and said, let us go and send men and spy out the land for us and bring back a report about the route that we are to take and the towns we are to come town to come to. So the scouts were really basically sent out to find the route to get into that was right, not just to go and see what was going on. Moses is the one, if you look back in Numbers, before um, I'll let you read all this, this is like a novel. If everyone likes to watch a reality show, this is a reality show of what the people were going through and it just looks like us, you know? We act the same way a lot of times. But when Moses sent them out. He was saying, go and see if the land is good. Back in Numbers 13, verse 17, when Moses sent them to explore Canaan, he said, go up and out into the hill country and see what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees in it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land because it was a season for the first grape. Okay, so it's good to go and plan and see what's ahead because it makes sense to us to check things out before we go and do things. But God already told them the land was good. God already said, I'm giving you a land flowing with milk and honey, it is good. It is going to be prosperous and nourished with all these good things. So sometimes you want to read into more details to figure out if you can do it on your own, rather than trusting God's word that said it's already good. So in Deuteronomy 1.26 we'll go. Now he's talking about He's recounting. Now they're, now they're east of the Jordan for the second time. This is before Moses dies and Joshua is going to take them in. So he's talking about the rebellion and all the things that God had done. So let's read from 26. Okay. But you were unwilling to go up. You rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. You grumbled in your tents and said... The Lord hates us. So he brought us out of Egypt to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us. Where can we go? Our, our brothers have made our hearts melt in fear. They say the people are stronger and taller than we are. The cities are large. The walls are up to the sky. We even saw the Amalekites there. Then I said to you, do not be terrified. Do not be afraid of them. The Lord your God who is going before you will fight for you as he did for you in Egypt before your very eyes and in the wilderness. 
There you saw how the Lord your God carried you as a father carried his son all the way you went until you reached this place. In spite of this, you did not trust in the Lord your God. You went ahead on your own journey and you, who went ahead of you on your journey in the fire by night, in the cloud by day, to search out places for you to camp and show you the way you should go. Okay, so we're going to just start back up a little bit about how we start to grumble and complain about our situations instead of looking forward to where God's taking us. And, and we can really get stuck on the situation and the obstacles more than focusing on where he's taking us and the goal in our life to be entering into God's promises. So, do you ever have people that are around you that are having a negative report all the time? You may be hearing a good thing from God, but the negative report is really swaying you to not believe God. We need to surround ourselves with more uh, Joshua's and Caleb's because that's where the encouragement comes to continue on wherever God's taking you. It may be uh, an issue that you're struggling with right now, even uh, like a health issue or relationships, a marriage, your children, you know, things that are happening in your life. There's a lot of things that can put that stumbling block of doubt and fear into your life. And the fear will really throw us for a loop because fear is an underlying thing that causes us to rebel against God. And God was not happy when we were not believing in him. That was a rebellion. It was called rebellion. Um, <clears throat> so unbelief is contagious, just as well as belief it could be contagious. Because really, I think, like when we read this, God was testing their hearts throughout the whole journey to see if they trusted in him. And if you look at it, I have all these things, and you know, he fed them with the manna every day. Where's my note? Uh-oh. I can't lose my... All the things that he did for them. First of all, when they crossed the sea, he parted the sea. They complained then. We're not going to get across the sea because, look, they're coming to destroy us. Already they were like fearing God parted the seas. They made it through. Then they started complaining out in the wilderness about the water. It's bitter. God gave them water. They wanted food. God gave them manna. But then they didn't like the manna because after a while they got tired of the manna. And even then they disobeyed them because they were told to gather the manna only every day but not let any store it overnight not on the Sabbath, they disobeyed. They disobeyed at the, uh, when he brought the Ten Commandments sent down by Moses, made a golden calf. So many things can come out of unbelief in God. So, and then the complaining can stir up even more problems. Um, they complained that the food was better back in Egypt. And we think, well, geez, these people saw all of his works. And... God's presence was actually there with them in the cloud. The cloud appeared as fire at night, but the cloud was there during all the time. Whenever he stopped, they camped. Whenever it was time to go, the cloud would lift, they would follow. So he was leading them the whole time through the desert. God leads us through our journey in life all the time. 
we have him with us. We don't see the cloud, but we know he's within us now. He gives us his Holy Spirit to lead and guide and direct us. Um, Yet, sometimes isn't it true that at the very brink of where your breakthrough comes is where you want to retreat and go back? And it's just you're this close to stepping into something God's promised you. You know, that's just for how it is even with addictions. You get so far and then something happens and you revert back to Egypt and go back to that thing that holds you slave and bondaged. But if we continue to trust God and push through, we can do it. Um, Because if we look here, all these verses were just showing of how God's goodness is. He says here in verse 29, Then I said, Don't be afraid or terrified of them. The Lord your God who is going before you will fight for you, as he did in Egypt. God went before them and drove out the enemies. He protected them. He does that now. He helps and protects us. We have to believe that God is for us. Because they said, oh, God hates us. God does not hate you. If we're going through something, it's because we just think that he's not here and he doesn't care about us. But really, he does. He loves us. So that's, those are all the, the things that we can take and believe that are not true and magnify them, like the, the Malachites and the giants in the land. Um, and he said, he will fight for you as he did in verse 29, continuing on. Just as he did for you in Egypt, before your very eyes and in the wilderness. How many times can we look at our lives and say, God was there and did that for me. There's times when I know that God did an amazing thing right that moment. He either spared my life, averted an accident that was so close, had me going through, or something like a, a bad report of a medical thing that you're waiting for tests, and you're waiting and waiting, and it's like, oh, that really looked bad, but it turned out that it was okay. That doesn't mean that we're not going to deal with anything. Even when they entered the promised land, he was going to have to, they were going to have to step in and drive out the enemies little by little because there are, there are still enemies in the promised land and still there's some enemies in our thoughts in our promised land that we're saved right now. Um, then you saw how the Lord your God carried you as a father carries his son all the way that you went until you reached. I think that's such a neat scripture. I love that. Because he carries us through the places and we don't realize it. Just like that footprints in the sand, I think of that. But as a father carries his son, you know, he's, he's that loving toward us. But I think what's neat is all these complaints that the people had and unbelief, God still kept answering their prayers to a lot of the things. Yes, he did destroy some people that were, you know, that was true too because they were of their unbelief because they did not believe that they were at that brink of their first time to enter in the promised land. Um, I'll get to that in a little bit. 
they didn't get to enter the promised land. They had to wander for 40 years. In spite of this, verse 32, you did not trust in the Lord your God who went ahead of you on their journey in the fire by night and the cloud by day in search of places for you to camp. I think of that scripture, he lets us lay down in green pastures like the shepherd does. You know, finding a good place for you to camp. Now remember, these are like over 600,000 people. That's just the men, not the women and children and all. These are all of the older, the males. But leading that many people and animals and everything. So it's like, it's amazing how that, but anyway. He still would search out a good place for everyone to camp. And I didn't realize this, but I, I didn't realize it before because I always thought, well, they just left every day. Like, they'd camp, and they'd get up and go and camp, get up and go and camp. No, if, they, if he moved at night, they got up and left. If they moved by day, it could have been days, it could have been months, it could have been... So it was whenever God said, let's get up and move, they did. I just thought that, but when I read that, I forget where it is now, but it tells you that when he lifted the cloud, whether by day or night, they would be ready to go and move. So God tells us, gives us leading with timing. He gives us protection. He's with us. His presence is with us. We need to understand he is with us. So then... In verse 34, when the Lord heard what you said, he was angry and swore, no one from this evil generation shall see the good land. I swore to your ancestors, except Caleb, son of Jephunneh. And also, it says later uh, in verse 36, Joshua. So those are the two that had a good report. Those who were the ones that had faith believing, they're going to enter into that land. But the ones that didn't believe in God would not be able to see that land including Moses, which I used to feel bad for Moses. Like, why poor Moses? You know, he had a lot to deal with. He had to deal with these stiff-necked people, just like God had said they were stiff-necked, and they were rebellious. But don't we do that? If we look at all the lessons from there, we could see ourselves in this same scenario today. We see so many good things that God does for us, but then we forget, like, at the beginning of our journey, we get saved, and we're like, wow, God did this for me. He saved me. I'm free, blah, blah, blah. Then after a while, we get complacent, and we, don't start, we start to not maybe trust God. We start to doubt God, and then we start to get into trouble with our complaining about our situations and not really seeing the, uh, the answer to the prayer yet or to see the deliverance of where we need to be. And I think that's where we get so discouraged when we're on our journey with these obstacles. So we need to be with people that are going to also encourage and say, we can do this. God said we can do it. And the complaining spirit and murmuring and grumbling got them into big trouble as you read. I honestly, if you have a chance to read the whole story, I know this is a lot out of it, but when you read from Exodus through the numbers and the accounts of the wilderness journey, it is really amazing. I mean, and we can see ourselves in that in our own way now, how we can do the same thing. But see, there, I thought it was interesting that the spies or the scouts that were sent out, 
it said that they were there for 40 days and they returned and it turned into 40 wandering years and a detour to the promised land. And I thought that was interesting that it was 40 days they spent there and then they came back to camp. But it ended up an 11-day journey that should have taken them 11 days. They ended up spending in the wilderness for 40 years because the generation had the past that wouldn't enter. So it's like, he goes before us. This is what God does. And Moses was reminding them in Deuteronomy of all the journey and what God had done to take the promised land this time. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged, God. And don't be terrified. And remember all the things that God does do for you. He goes before us. He fights for us. He told them to remember the past. Remember that God delivered you out of something from the past. Not just when you were saved, but what else has he delivered you from? Bad habits, bad relationships, bad situations, sin, habit, things that are in our life that we knew that only God could help us overcome. And also, the things that we saw firsthand. Have you ever seen miracles in someone else's life and thought, wow, isn't that neat that God did that? God does that. He is in the business of miracles still. He led them by their, his presence in the cloud. God's presence is with us all the time. God is always with us. And we tend to forget that when we're going through things. Um, he directs where to go. He directed them where, like I said, where to, where to stop and camp and how to get through where they had to get to. Even though it was the long detour, he still got them back around to that place. He fed them every day, the manna. And I think of the manna as our daily bread. We need our daily bread every day to be able to get stronger in the Lord and understand he, his promises to us and encourage us. And it's new every morning for us to have. We don't want stale old word. We want that's going to get moldy. We want a new fresh word, a revelation from God. And it comes from spending time with him in the word and asking him what he has to say to us. Uh, he gave them water from the desert. And I think of the living water that we get now that can never, we won't thirst again like the woman at the well. Jesus said, I give you living water. And he kept them safe from their enemies. And like I said, even though, even when they entered the promised land, he didn't let them just go out and take everything. It's just a little at a time. Each step that you overcome something, you're driving out those things a little at a time with his help. And it's not mentioned here, but it's interesting that their shoes didn't wear out in 40 years. And I thought of us women, boy, that'd be boring having one pair of shoes all the time. <laughs> I know it's funny, but you know, I just thought, one pair of shoes, they didn't wear out. Nothing wore out. Sometimes don't you want a pair to wear out so you can have an excuse to go buy another pair? I don't know. Anyway, God wants us to believe in his promises. We don't always see the whole picture, but we know his word is full of promises for us. And good things that are flowing with milk and honey. Blessings, favor, 
deliverance. All these things is God's promises to us. So we have to take them at his word. Don't let your bad reports instill fear in you and cause you to lose sight of his promises. I heard a statement said on one of the, someone said this, and I thought, that's interesting. She said, do you believe, do you just believe in God, or do you believe God? Satan believes in God, but do you believe God? Do you take him at his word? Because God told them, I am giving you this land. This is your inheritance. So this is a promise. I, he said, I'm going to give it to you. But then when it comes down to it, do we always believe it? We don't always believe it. So the promises you need to remember are some of... I encourage you to always write some of God's promises down. Search some of the scriptures and just write them down. Some of those promises... I can just think of a few that we can write, but I mean, when you look at all, the whole Bible is speaking of his promises to us. He says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. All who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you ask wisdom, I'll give it to you. He comforts the downcast and the uh, weary. These are just a few. We receive a crown of glory after our journey in this lifetime. If we are obedient and just follow him, believe him. He will meet all of our needs, Philippians 4.19. There will be no more death or mourning. These are just a few. I could go on and on and on with all the promises of God. But you have to believe the promises. I have to believe the promises. What promises you need to remember is that he is for us. He's not against us. The Israelites started looking at the problem of not, they got so fearful that they thought they can't do it. And then they started to just, get into rebellion and just go thinking that God doesn't love them anymore. And that's, not so, that's so far from the truth. God does love us. So I think that's basically my message for today, that we need to continue on the journey and push forward with God. Believe what he says is true. Don't just believe about him, but believe what he says. Believe him when he says that. Okay? Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for your promises. Thank you that you don't give up on us. Just like the Israelites, they complained and murmured, but you still took and, and, and gave them that promise. You don't go back on your word. Help us to overcome the fears and doubts that come into our minds and the bad reports or the things that magnify in our eyes that we look like grasshoppers at times. But Lord, we know that with you, we are stronger and we are conquerors. We are more than conquerors through you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for your, uh, the gift of this new life that you've given us, that we don't need to go back to slavery. So I just pray a blessing upon everyone here, and that we would just continue to seek your face, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.